Hi, I'm Jamie Costello, and welcome to another episode of the Cothogenics Journey, where we give you the tools to help you achieve optimal health from some of the experts in the fields of anti-aging, nutrition, and genetics. Today, we're in part two of our four-part series with Dr. Michael Gallitzer, discussing his new book, Outstanding Health, and his health roadmap to help you achieve it. We are discussing the unavoidable toxins in our lives and how to rid your body of them. We also talk about how to optimize your gut function. And I know you'll be shocked to find out what the most stressed organ is in your body that no one talks about and how to fix it. So let's get started. Step two in the book is cleansing and renewing the body. So specifically, you talk about tissue acidity and toxins. What is tissue acidity? How do we test for it, and why is it important? Tissue acidity probably underlies uh, ill health for most people. And basically, uh, it's we become acidic through lifestyle issues. So as a society, we drink too much coffee, alcohol, cigarettes, soft drinks, sugar, and we're stressed, and those are the major contributors to tissue acidity. Uh, we can test for it with uh, a pH paper that you can get at a drugstore or health food store, and the best way is to uh, look at your first morning urine and if uh, and read the uh, just uh, put some urine on that uh, pH paper, and if it's in the fives, pH five, uh, we know your body's too acidic, and as you become less acidic your pH will, uh, on the paper, read in the 6s, 6.5. So it's an easy thing to test for. Uh, tissue acidity is what underlies uh, osteoporosis, a loss of bone, uh, calcium from the bone. Uh, calcium, magnesium, or alkaline, which is the opposite of acidic nutrients, and the body tends to pull them off in order to neutralize the tissue acidity. So osteoporosis, which is a huge issue among uh, people over the age of 50, uh, it's not a calcium deficiency disease. It's a, a disease of tissue acidity. So the key for acidity is to uh, limit your uh, coffee, sugar, cigarettes, alcohol, soft drinks. Uh, find your ways to deal more efficiently with stress. Perceive stress as a challenge as opposed to a threat. Uh, and that's a little more complicated. We'll have to look at the hormonal aspect of that, too, the adrenals, most importantly. And uh, eat a more alkaline diet. Lots of vegetables, uh, you know, instead of coffee and soft drinks and alcohol, uh, green tea, lemon in your water. Those are actually alkalizing uh, 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 be sorry, beverages. And the more vegetables you have, the more alkaline your diet's going to be. So uh, tissue acidity is something that can be uh, very easily uh, tested for and very easily uh, treated. Yeah. Uh, obviously very important. I know people today talk about alkaline water, but it's really uh, acidic foods that you need to balance out with alkalizing foods. Yeah, the alkaline water is good, Jamie, but, it, you know, I think the uh, the vegetables are really more important. Uh, I think alkaline water is important, but the vegetables are key. And more, most important is to limit your, your acidic uh, beverages and also, uh, as a society, we tend to eat too much animal protein, uh, which is a major cause of acidity, too, and that animal protein will overload the kidneys. So frequently, uh, you know, people just eat too much meat, too much chicken, too much fish, too many eggs. And, uh, well, you know, you can eat free-range 
chicken and you can eat uh, grass-fed beef, you really can't overdo that. And, again, that's another cause of tissue acidity, just too much animal protein. So the, the other thing we need to cleanse our body is of toxins. And uh, having been a patient of yours for three years or so now, I know that it's impossible to avoid toxins in our life. Um, and I know they accumulate over time. Your friend, Suzanne Summers, came out with a book this past year called Toxic uh, to free, bring further attention to this problem. Uh, and I probably should interject here that Susan said about you, Dr. Gallitzer is the best kind of doctor, cutting edge and thoughtful. His approach allows me to enjoy superb health. He keeps my insides healthy, which manifests on the outside, making me look young and feel young. He's a true healer and a dear friend. So those are pretty kind words, and as a patient, I agree with her completely, and I thank you. So tell me about toxins and cleansing them out of our body. What, what are they, and what do they cause? Where do we get them? Where do we get them? Why? Everywhere. Well, you know, when I was in the ER, uh, toxins were like uh, overdoses, sleeping pills, carbon monoxide poisoning, chemical spills. Uh, well, we're in a world where there's uh, heavy metals, pesticides, all sorts of chemicals. Uh, a newborn baby has 200 chemicals in their, in their urine. Uh, there are thousands of chemicals we're exposed to, uh, cleaners, household cleaners. I mean, there's an endless list uh, that really have 30 or thousands of chemicals haven't even been tested by the EPA. And so, uh, you know, I just say to patients, I said, uh, you know, you got your car washed uh, yesterday. Uh, two days later, what does it look like? You know, what's on, what's on the windowsill? Uh, what's on the, uh, you know, what's on your car? Look at all that crap that's on your car. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's in the food. Uh, you know, you, we can't trust the food supply that much. We go out to dinner and, you know, food handler had a virus, so everybody gets sick with uh, contaminated food. GMO, they're genetically modified food. There's pesticides being used. If it isn't organic, there's pesticides in it. So we're exposed all the time, and we really basically have three different systems, the liver, the kidney, and the lymph system, to help get the toxins out. Now, we call those drainage organs. Toxins leave the cells, go into the lymph system. And the lymph is a very elaborate system, Jamie. It kind of, uh, there are many lymph vessels as there are blood vessels. And ultimately, the lymphatic system empties into the uh, large veins underneath the collarbone, wherein it ultimately gets into the heart, and the heart then pumps it out, and the liver finally gets the, uh, these toxins. The liver helps detoxify along with the kidneys. And ultimately, these toxins leave the body through the urine and the stool and also through the skin. And so it's the job of the liver and kidney systems to cleanse the body. If they're sluggish, which you really can't see on a blood test, and or too many toxins, toxins accumulate. And then they accumulate in the connective tissue, tendons, muscles, ligaments, joints, bones, skin, which is kind of why we ache and feel stiff when we're toxic. So having a healthy liver, lymph, kidney system uh, goes a long way to uh, helping one get rid of the toxins. And, again, you cannot analyze using a blood test about how sluggish or non-sluggish these drainage systems are. You can find out if they're diseased, but we're not talking about disease. We're talking about a non-sluggish drainage system, the liver, blood, and the kidneys. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Obviously, we know about tuna fish, uh, you know, mercury, mercury and fillings, 
Um, interesting thing happened to my wife, I know you know about several years ago, uh, taking birth control pills. They all had iron in them, and uh, it's all pretty good when you're in your mid 30s and you still have menses but as you get older as you take iron it accumulates in your body and uh, her physician had indicated well maybe she might have toxic iron indicated on a blood test and the best way to get rid of that uh, was through a, a procedure they've been using for 3,000 years basically bloodletting and uh, my wife really said uh, we're not, we're not going to do that. You're going to have to figure out another way for this to uh, be out of my system, Jamie. So how, once we get these toxins in our system, I guess, how, how do we get them out? All right. Here we go. Now we're moving into uh, my kind of territory. Uh, you know, we wanna, well, what can you do for the liver? For the liver, you can juice a lemon in the morning. Uh, take a lemon, cut it in half, squeeze the juice out of both halves, pour it into, say, eight ounces of water. Veggies, carrots, beets, zucchini, squash, watercress, artichoke. You can do a green drink, whereas you can uh, celery, cucumber, green apple, kale, parsley, and just uh, blend those together with a juicer, and that's a great thing for the liver. Uh, you can do castor oil packs for your liver, uh, which is a, uh, you know, talked about in the book, uh, a very effective way to cleanse the liver. Some people go a little more extreme. They do coffee enemas to help the liver release toxins. Uh, you can massage uh, a liver point on the top of your foot called liver three, which is between the first two toes, one inch from the web space. You'll fall into a hole, and if you massage that uh, clockwise for about a minute on both feet, uh, two or three times a day, that'll help the liver. So there's a lot of things, and then you can do herbal uh, formulas for the liver. Uh, herbal formulas, uh, Silly marin is a great herb for the liver. A dandelion is a great herb for the liver. They're homeopathic formulas for the liver. Uh, there's some substances. N-acetylcysteine is a great uh, liver detoxifier. Uh, B vitamins, methylated B vitamins, a methyl B12, methyl folic acid. All those are great for the liver. So there is, uh, there are numerous ways to go after the liver. And, you know, the first four letters of liver live. So it's been my experience that... Uh, if one has a healthy liver that is not sluggish and fully functioning, uh, that'll go a long way towards uh, great health. So the so the goal is to get the drainage going, right? Uh, and then to detoxify these these organs. One other thing, uh, you know, we forgot about the kidneys and the lymph. So, yeah. uh, By the way, broccoli is a great liver food. Asparagus is a great kidney food. And again, the kidneys want lots of good water. Uh, we, alkaline water is fine, non-distilled water. We don't want distilled water. Distilled water is dead water. doesn't have any minerals. So we really want a uh, filtered water, alkaline water. Uh, there's all sorts of good waters. Bottled water-wise, uh, Fiji is a good water. Volvic is a very good water. And the lymph system is helped by uh, no dairy because dairy congests the lymph, uh, deep breathing, and exercise. The best exercise for the lymph is actually a trampoline or a rebounder or a jumping rope or jumping jacks. Any real type of exercise will really move the lymph system. Uh, and so uh, if you do those things, then you've got the drain going, the liver, lymph, kidney systems. And then, as you say, we can then move into what's called detoxification. So what do you think about cleanses? You know, that's juice cleanses and fasting seems to be popular today. Does that fit in in this profile of cleansing yourself of toxins? 
You know, cleanses are great, uh, but we really need to do drainage first. As an example, if you do a fast, uh, the toxins will come out of the tissues and into the bloodstream. Uh, but if the liver, kidney, lymph system is clogged, so to speak, you'll get sick. And a practitioner will say, well, you really got to get sick before you feel better. Well, that's, I think that's a lot of nonsense. Uh, I think ultimately the, the analogy would be to have a, a bowel movement on a toilet bowl that won't flush. There's nowhere for the junk to go. So ultimately you need to do drainage first before you do detoxification second. And there are a lot of ways to do detoxification. You can do colonics. You can do infrared saunas. You can do fasts. You can do cleanses. But ultimately all those are done best and have their best results if you've done liver, kidney, lymph drainage first. Uh, I have a funny story about my first colonic. I was staying at your friend Tony Robbins's resort in Fiji, and uh, my wife and I walked by their colonic center many times, afraid to walk in. Uh, we had no idea what they did in there, and uh, even if we had an idea, it would have been the wrong idea. And I was afraid to go in. I was afraid to ask what they did. I was afraid to be seen going in or coming out. But uh, one day I got the nerve because I figured Tony had it a part, as a part of his Mastery Series seminar, so I figured I should probably explore it. Uh, and ever since then, I've made it a part of my routine every four weeks. Obviously, uh, I've gone through the drainage phase, uh, and I'm in the mild detoxification phase. So colonics can be good at that point, correct? Yes. I first, you'd want to do the drainage first, and then the colonics after that. Uh, maybe give yourself about two to three weeks after you do the, start the drainage to uh, get into the colonics, uh, because you can get, if you know, again, you can get uh, a little sick if you do the colonics too quickly or too soon in this process. But colonics are great. Uh, it's a great emotional release, and uh, it's amazing how full of it we really are. <laughs> yeah. You see how much comes out. Uh, so I think it's a great thing to do, and uh, again, you know, it's another thing that people are a little hesitant to do, a little fearful about, you know, sticking a tube up their butt. But uh, if they are having problems with that, then coffee enemas might be a better way to go too. So uh, whatever your fancy is, uh, there are a lot of ways to get some of this stuff out of your system, and uh, I definitely recommend that uh, anyone wanting to achieve outstanding health look at those uh, modalities. I think, I think it's interesting, you know, as we've gone from preparing ourselves and then this drainage uh, system and then the detoxification phase, really, it is a step-by-step -step process, and you can't take these steps really out of order. So your third step is supernutrition, and your first concept is that, well, this is all going to be about the food I should eat, um, but... Instead, it's about the optimal functioning of the GI tract from the esophagus to the stomach to the small intestine to the colon. And I guess the gut is our second brain, makes up 80% of our immune system, and uh, obviously it's, it's the next place in this journey we have to go to. So how does, how does the digestive process work? Can you kind of explain that to our listeners? In about 10 seconds or what? Yeah, in 10 seconds. Or, you know, I mean, if you need 15, go for it. Uh, you know, I like to tell uh, my patients that there's a triangle, the liver, the pancreas, and the intestines. 
And any part of that triangle can affect anything else. So the liver can affect the pancreas and vice versa. The pancreas can affect the intestines. And the intestines can affect the liver since food is absorbed through the small intestine and goes to the liver. And so uh, we want to look at every part of that triangle. And so we've already talked about the liver and its ability to uh, act as a drainage organ. Uh, so we can we can get to a very a, a pretty healthy liver. Uh, the pancreas makes digestive enzymes. Pancreas is also very susceptible to pesticides. And so uh, a healthy pancreas can be achieved through uh, eating well, chewing your food well, taking enzymes with your meals, herbal and homeopathic remedies. Uh, as far as the small intestine is concerned, uh, uh, we want to make sure that absorption is occurring well. Uh, that uh, people are not eating wheat. There's a huge wheat sensitivity out there that's affecting the absorption of the in the small intestine, creating what's called a leaky gut, where unwarranted materials are getting through and are being absorbed into the bloodstream and going to the liver, overloading the liver. Uh, and so there are formulas and nutritional supplements that can help the leaky gut. But my experience has been that when there's inflammation and or leaky gut in the small intestine, uh, you really want to go organic and you really want to eliminate wheat in all its forms from the body, or gluten, so to speak, which is the protein in wheat. As far as the large intestine, we want to make sure we got the right bacteria. Uh, these are called probiotics. And so if we uh, have a healthy liver, have a healthy pancreas with uh, good levels of digestive enzymes, uh, preventing leaky gut in the small intestine and having the right bacteria in the colon, uh, quickly, those are the ways that we ultimately want to get to in order to help uh, people's digestion and, and our health. I put together this special series of conversations with some of the leaders in integrative healthcare to give you the tools I used to achieve optimal health. If you want to regain your youthful energy and look and feel years younger, my company, Clothogenics, can apply the discoveries in gene science to your genetic profile to determine the best diet, supplements, and exercise program for your body and its metabolic factors. We analyze 260 different gene variants to prepare a truly individual program for you for diet, exercise, supplements to achieve optimal health. You also get a 90-minute consultation to discuss your program and we can arrange follow-up consultations to answer questions, provide updates, and to discuss your progress. Call me today at 1-866-761-7773 or go to my website, clothogenics.com, K-L-O-T-H-O-G-E-N-I-C-S, to find out how easy it is to get your genetic profile and get started. There's no better way to achieve your health goals than this. So I know, too, uh, Djokovic, uh, Novak Djokovic, the tennis player, uh, did a uh, test that he attributes for a lot of his success uh, on the tour, which is a food sensitivity test. And I guess basically it uh, is a test of uh, those foods which... Uh, uh, I guess have an IgG uh, inflammation kind of reaction in your body uh, that creates low-level inflammation, and people continue to eat the same foods over and over again, and it causes us trouble not only in our gut but in other places in our body. Is that 
true, and what kind of tests are there out there for that? Well, there are. Uh, it's not always an antibody-mediated reaction or that kind of allergic reaction, IgG or IgE. A lot of people have a sensitivity to wheat that really won't be picked up with the traditional uh, blood tests, IgG and IgE. Uh, there's a company called Cyrex, C-Y-R-E-X, CyrexLabs.com, uh, that does these specific tests uh, that really get a little uh, more deep into this whole gluten problem. But gluten is a huge issue. And uh, my experience has been that anybody with digestive complaints, bloating, uh, which is huge, abdominal pain, uh, lots of gas, really would do well to eliminate gluten and also dairy from their diet. And gluten is the protein in wheat. So no wheat, no rye, no barley, no oats, unless it's oat, uh, oat, uh, no oatmeal, unless it's gluten-free oatmeal. Uh, those are really uh, key grains. And again, when you eliminate the grains, not only do you get healthy, but you also lose weight because grains are carbs. So uh, gluten is a huge issue. Uh, gluten also has uh, effects on the brain, on the cerebellum, on balance. Uh, there's a whole uh, syndrome of, uh, of adverse effects of gluten on your brain and on your cerebellum, on your balance center. So uh, getting rid of gluten these days, it's just not the same wheat that you and I had as kids. Uh, you know, the wheat has been hybrid uh, or mixed with other grasses uh, to create a whole new wheat product, which uh, our digestive system doesn't like. So I know one of the things, too, that um, I had a problem with was GERD, and uh, I guess 50% of Americans today probably take antacids or proton pump inhibitors, uh, Prevacid, Privacec, other items. And so what got to me was that uh, my problem probably was that I didn't have enough HCL in my stomach. And here I was taking this uh, proton pump inhibitor, which would really affect my stomach in the opposite way. So a lot of people probably have stomach imbalances in their gut too, right, from induced by drugs? Well, uh, there are some people, yes, who, do, who are, don't have enough hydrochloric acid and are basically given the proton pump inhibitors. Uh, but there are most, most people that I see actually have too much acid uh, produced in their bodies, and that's because their cells are acidic. So, again, we go back to the lifestyle, the coffee, sugar, cigarettes, alcohol, soft drinks stress causing increased tissue acidity and the body basically says look we got to get rid of the acids sends a message to the stomach and says look you got to make more acid if you create more hydrochloric acid this will be a way that we can ultimately get rid of some of this acid in our body well again GERD can be the result of too much hydrochloric acid uh, made by the stomach and the treatment of that would be the treatment of tissue acidity so if we reduced our animal protein went into more alkaline beverages like uh, a lemon in your water, green tea, uh, reduced the alcohol, the cigarettes, the soft drinks, uh, the sugar. Uh, we could affect reduced tissue acidity, and if we stimulate the liver to get rid of the acids, uh, a lot of these people, GERD symptoms really go away. So a lot of GERD symptoms are from too much acid. Now, in your case, there was too little acid, and in that case, there's a supplement called betaine, which can actually help you feel better. So if you take betaine and your stomach feels better, it's a sign that there's 
too little acid in your stomach. So the acid in your stomach can either be too much or too little, and you really want to know which it is because uh, uh, the treatments are completely different. Right. I know there's a, a test in your book, uh, kind of a simple test you can do at home to figure out which side of that you're on and whether or not betaine would be helpful to you. One of the things you mentioned in the book, too, that you find in your practice is one of the most stressed organs is the pancreas. So, uh, again, ten, only 10 seconds. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. What, what is the role of the pancreas in gut health? Well, the pancreas makes digestive enzymes. And basically, in Chinese medicine, uh, Chinese medicine views the organs uh, there are 12 major organ systems or meridians, and they each have two hours of the 24-hour clock, where the energy of the pancreas is the strongest, and 12 hours later, where the energy of the pancreas is the or organs are the weakest. So pancreas time is between 9 and 11 in the morning when the energy of the pancreas is strongest, and again, weakest 9 to 11 at night. Uh, and so we really have a very easy time to digest breakfast, as a rule, as a culture because, again, the pancreas is strong in the morning, making those enzymes. Uh, when it's weakest is in the evening when we usually have our largest meal. So as a culture, we tend to eat a little funny. We hardly eat breakfast, but we eat these large dinners. When our pancreas is probably at its low point for the day and our ability to digest our food is, uh, is at a minimum as compared to the uh, early morning. And so at that point, people frequently go to sleep uh, with a full stomach. Uh, they sleep poorly. Uh, they wake up with a bit of a hangover or feel lethargic. And so uh, the people who have this issue should probably benefit from taking digestive enzymes at night. And, again, uh, pancreas is so, so important. Uh, these digestive enzymes probably have immune-stimulating effects. Some people think they help prevent cancer. Uh, and so... The stronger our pancreas is, the better we're going to be. Now, on a spiritual level, pancreas is, is related to uh, self-love. Uh, and the interesting organs, like uh, the breast, is related to motherly love, and the uh, heart is related to uh, love of mankind. And so frequently, uh, pancreas issues can affect the breast and can affect the heart. I mean, we all know about people who have diabetes who have an increased incidence of heart disease. So... Uh, the pancreas is a very, very important organ. And, you know, I hear a lot of, you know, emotional eaters, people, especially women who love to eat sweets. I know with me, you know, I feel tended or toward sweets when I don't feel sweet about myself. So uh, the ability to love yourself, uh, the more you love yourself, I think the less sweets you're going to eat. And so the pancreas is really, that's the other pancreas, the pancreas that makes the insulin and related to the sugar. But the pancreas that makes the enzymes, uh, is really important uh, to digestion. So there are actually two pancreases. We both really need to nourish both and extremely important for our health. So, Michael, tell me, you know, I guess there's an epidemic in the country of people taking antibiotics. Uh, they take antibiotics for things that don't require antibiotics. They're clearly over-prescribed and patients want them, so I get it why doctors give it to them, whether they help them or not. But how does this, uh, how do these antibiotics really affect our gut? Uh, I do agree with you that they're overprescribed. However, you know, if you've got somebody who's uh, over the age of 65 with an upper respiratory infection, uh, you know, I think that uh, antibiotics are probably indicated. 
for that condition. Uh, they are overprescribed. Uh, they tend to kill the good bacteria in your gut and uh, causing what's called a dysbiosis. Uh, the, when I say the gut, I mean the uh, large intestine or the colon. So we have a lot of uh, what's called probiotics, uh, populations of good bacteria in our gut that basically are designed to uh, uh, detoxify the body. They're designed to help uh, create a, a normal stool. And antibiotics tend to kill those bacteria. And the bacteria live uh, in harmony or they live alongside the candida or the yeast. And what frequently happens is when you kill the good bacteria, the candida or the yeast multiply, and then you start having fungal infections or symptoms of uh, overgrowth of candida, itching around your uh, anus, vaginal itching, thrush, all sorts of things that happen from the imbalance caused by not enough of the good bacteria and too much of the yeast or the bad bacteria. So basically what we really need to do is return to balance uh, people should take a probiotic. People should uh, not feed the yeast, which is basically uh, avoiding vinegar, avoiding anything with uh, your salads, your condiments. Uh, well, actually, your salads instead of vinegar should be lemon and olive oil. And you want to avoid the condiments, mayonnaise, mustard, ketchup, olives, pickles. Uh, you want to avoid red wine, white wine. All these things could help uh, feed the yeast, and if you've got a compromised system where there's too much yeast, uh, you really won't do well eating those foods. Garlic will kill the yeast, and so probiotics plus garlic, avoid sugar, avoid vinegar, and then you can restore that balance uh, fairly quickly. Again, if an antibiotic is needed, I will always prescribe a probiotic and have patients take it alongside the antibiotic during that five to seven days, and then for another two weeks after the uh, antibiotic has uh, been finished. Although I've got patients who take probiotics every day, I think probiotics are great. I'm not quite sure uh, if the one that has 50 billion organisms is any better than the one with 5 billion organisms. I'm not quite sure who counted all those organisms, but uh, again, they're really, really important, Jenny. Yeah, and of course there's 100 trillion organisms or whatever in our gut, so uh, 50 billion, I guess I could do the math, but um, not really clear. And of course there's all sorts of strains of of probiotics too. Uh, and I guess some people have problems with parasites. That's something you can test in your office too, right, whether or not people have a parasite? Uh, parasites are tough. Uh, you know, we really rely on special stool tests to detect that, then there are DNA tests that are a little more advanced that can look for the DNA of parasites, but they're very difficult. Uh, they're very difficult to pick up, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of people miss them. A lot of lab tests can be negative, and people can still have parasites. So the parasite, uh, it, it's funny, it's like, you know, they're bad, people think they're bad, uh, but on the other hand, parasites, you know, also eat up toxins within the gut. So uh, they're not always bad. They should be treated, uh, but probably there's uh, an herbal approach would probably be a safer approach. Now, there's some people that have amoebas that travel out of the country when you're sure that they did uh, get a parasite. At that point, pharmaceuticals may be, may be indicated at that point. Very good. Well, so we've uh, taken the third step which, uh, again, is an important step. And it just shows me, I guess, the visual example of what I 
see here is that for me, if you squeeze a balloon on one side, the other side pops out. Your methodology really is squeezing the, the whole balloon to the best of your ability to get people in a step-by-step approach. And that's what I really appreciate about your book, because it's not focused on one idea. Uh, it gives you the complete plan. I think today this is a good place to stop for today. We can start up again with steps four through six to complete the program for Outstanding Health in our next podcast. And then after we've completed the six steps, I'd like to get back with you and focus on some of the key health areas like specifically the heart, the brain, the skin, and some of the cutting-edge treatment options you use in your practice uh, and some that are just around the corner uh, to help us in the future. So, Michael, for those out there who want to purchase the book or who want to contact you about being a patient, can you give our listeners a website and your contact information? Sure, Jamie. You can contact me. Uh, you can buy the book and contact me at, uh, by going to drgalitzer.com, D-R-G-A-L-I-T-Z-E-R.com. And that's a great way to uh, see what I do and see what's on the website and uh, get more information about uh, the kind of work that I do. Perfect. Thank you for that. 